J.T. Crowley is talking books. On the show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. Hello, I'm J.T. Crowley, and on the show today, I'm pleased to invite Dr. James Worley from Lauderdale, Miami, Florida, in the U.S. He's come on to talk about his book, The Dynamic Fundamental Study on Discipleship, Enter If You Are Teachable. A step-by-step guide to a Christian way of life. Dr. James is a doctor of theology. He's been a pastor for the Highway Church for a considerable time. Over the years, alongside his pastoral ministry, Dr. James has done a variety of jobs from being employed to running his own construction company. At 21, he married Aura, his wife, and they are, as he puts it, very blessed to have four children and five grandchildren. Dr. James continues to play an active part in his local church and the wider community as well. So let's invite him onto the show to talk about a little bit about himself and his book. Dr. James, come and join me on the show. Yes, Mr. Crowley, how are you today? I'm really good. Great, great. Um, Dr. James, do you think you could tell the listeners, the audience, a little bit about yourself and why initially you wrote the book? Yes. You know, I've always had a a heart for people, uh, watching struggles and different difficulties that people go to. And many of times I've went to the prison and have seen people falling in different traps. And the book was written for the purpose of showing people a guide, a direction, uh, similar to uh, a step-by-step walk out of situation and how to stay on a path of uh, hopefully a path that they would desire a better life. Well, let's open the book and let's see what's within the pages. I want to go to chapter one, Dr. James, which you head up knowing and understanding your calling. You have three sessions, and at the end of each session, you're asking specific questions so that the reader can reflect on what they've just read. At the end of session one, you ask about the meaning of both calling and discipleship. You also refer to chapter one, Corinthians in the Bible there. So my question is, what do you, Dr. James, understand by the meaning of calling and discipleship? And why did you choose to make the comparison of a soldier to a disciple in session two? And why are you choosing Corinthians here? Wow. What a great question. I know. You know, uh, <laughs> you know as I, I read the book and uh, I started uh Many times I talk with uh, people and uh, they come to the Lord, they get saved and excited about walking with the Lord. And sometimes it'd be that initial excitement, but then they seem to drift away because they don't have any direction. And so I thought it came to me uh, a lot of times when people sign up uh, for the army, they are all excited. They don't know what they're going to face. They don't know really what it's all about. But when they come in, they come in from all phases and different aspects of life, maybe hippies or whatever they are. 
But the purpose uh, when they come there is that sergeant, that uh, who's ever in charge, has the desire to transform them, to make them in what they could not make themselves. And he began to work with them, guiding them, giving them instruction, developing them in a stage. And same as discipleship, you come in as a disciple, as a student, a pupil, someone uh, that's come to learn and to get instructions and knowledge on things may you may have not known. And uh, I compared it with a soldier because that soldier may have all thoughts and different ideas about life. But when he come in the training, he began to be transformed. He began to see things differently. He began to understand there's a goal, there's a purpose behind uh, the instruction. And so in my book, you will see that it's a guide. It's a step-by-step direction of showing a person how they can be transformed. Uh, Mr. Crowley, I like to say it's like a butterfly. Uh, you know, you look at that caterpillar and you'll never think that one day he'll be a butterfly. But he's got to go through a process of training, a process of going through something. And after a while, he's transformed into something beautiful. And I believe my book will show this. In Corinthians, it shows that it's, uh, it's something greater than ourselves, outside of ourselves, a force greater than us, begin to direct us and lead us and show us uh, a path or direction we may not know. It's a bit like the Hopefully that gives you. <laughs> it's a bit like the caterpillar into the beautiful butterfly, isn't it? Oh, if you look at it, I, I as I was telling uh, the Chris the Saints the other night that that caterpillar, when you look at that caterpillar, you'll never think. And so many times when uh, people come in to church or come in uh, as a disciple or even as soldier, you never uh, never thought that that person would. Uh, move or transform or more or come to that metamorphosis of becoming what they become. When that caliphate go into that cocoon, he starts a struggle. And remember, one thing is very essential and important is that he goes in there with himself. In other words, there's nothing else he goes in there with. How do a caliphate become a butterfly? It's a metamorphosis that he goes and the metamorphosis is the training, the instruction, the leading that caused an individual to transform into something they never thought they would be. And this is what my book is all about. It is. It's absolutely everybody. It's a book that takes you from being a caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. Yes. Um, in session yeah. three, uh, Dr. James, of chapter one, so we're still on chapter one, everybody, under the subtitle, The Light, you start off by quoting... John, chapter 8, verse 12. Yes. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Did you, my question to you, Dr. James, is, did you purposefully start this session off in this manner? Um, And... Do you think this verse plays a significant role in today's world? If so, how? Yes. Another great question. I think as uh, we uh, show Christ as the light, think back on that drill sergeant. When that drill sergeant began to 
talk to the potential gentlemen or, or, or young ladies that are striving to become soldiers. He is the guy. He is the one that has the information, the knowledge. He, he's the one that is going to instruct them and teach them step by step on what they need to do. Many people that uh, come as being a Christian, they don't have no guide. They don't have no direction. And Christ is the light. He's what we're inspiring to be like. And so uh, in the day's time, uh, if people would, I believe, that would grab hold to this book, they'll begin to see a clear path of where they need to go. And that's the reason, amen, that we've shown that Christ is the light. And further on in the book, it shows where we supposed to become that light. We supposed to step up and become as the taught as those that now teach. So uh, it hopefully inspire one to strive to become as the master. Uh, we show that it's very important that the individual has that thought in mind that yes, I come in now being trained and taught and learning, but I'm aspiring to one day be able to teach and show others what I've learned. So yes, Christ is the light. And yes, it is very essential for the days uh, the people of the world today, if they take heed to it and would buy the book, it'll be a blessing to them. Okay. Um, let's uh, move on to uh, chapter four, uh, which yes. you head up simply as love. You describe yes. love from 15 different viewpoints. Love is patient. Uh, love is kind. Love yes. is... Um, generous and you know and so forth so you yes. describe love pretty much here uh, and when you say god is love and attach nine attributes in session two why did you set this part of the book out in the way you have what are you saying here in this chapter and these sessions about love and god beautiful beautiful well here we are trying to show that uh there's characters or attributes of Christ that one need to ascertain too. And he described to become, uh, we, we desire to take on the character of Jesus Christ. We, we, uh, should strive to, uh, walk in the same character as one say, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. And so it's showing us that Christ is righteous. Christ is a righteous God. And as one would walk after the word of God, that transformation, that process would begin to take place in our life. As we draw nearer to the Lord, because he is the goal. He's the one that we're striving to become at, because we realize that without him, we can do nothing. But with him, all is possible. So Christ is love. As in the scripture, the fourth chapter of the book, uh, first John, the fourth chapter, it began to depict God, uh, Jesus Christ as love. And it shows us that if we have him within us, then we are love. And it shows us that uh, with love, there is no fear and fear brings torment. And it shows us the power of love and that if we walk in the attribute of Jesus Christ, then we will have the authority and the power that he uh, shows us that we can ascertain by walking according to his character. I hope that answers the 
question. I see. That's a fabulous answer. Um, I think that's going to be, um, you know, for people who are listening to this, that's going to be some serious conversation around the dinner table, which is crucial. I sure hope so. That's what we want. That's what the whole book is yes. about, everybody, is to open up conversation yes, about a step-by-step guide to Christianity. Yes, sir. Um, I want to do just one more question, if you don't mind, Dr. James, on Chapter 4. I want to go to session. Not at all. Uh, with the subtitle, I am not flesh, I am spirit, I am love. For a non-believer or someone starting out on a journey to discover Christianity, how would you best talk to that person about what you're discussing here? So if you were sitting on the street talking to somebody about this section of your book, you know, session three, chapter four, how would you discuss this with somebody? Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Well, as... uh... Pulling the first and the second all the way to the fourth together and showing the importance of realizing that uh, uh, we have to, uh, let's put it this way. When a person is on drugs and they go to a program, it uh, most programs, uh, seventh step program or what have you, it makes different ones get up and say, well, you know, I'm a drug addict uh, or I'm an alcoholic what have you and uh, they begin to make them hold on to those titles so that they could be careful not walk in those same things or same uh, different attributes that got them to that course and so I here begin to let people know that it does not matter what you came from or what lifestyle you came from or what uh, situation that you came out of you got to begin to declare that what you are not and what you're striving to be. I am spirit, and the spirit is the spirit of God. And I will tell them, say, listen, look at the word of God. Understand how powerful that word is. Don't look at it as something impossible, but begin to declare that this is what you are. This is what you believe that you can become as walking in it and striving to take heed to what the word of God is saying. Because the word is the spirit. And so I, I began to tell or tell someone that I just met or let them know that what you was, you're no longer what you ascertained to come or become. This is what you are. Begin to declare it. Begin to say it. Begin to confess it. And therefore, you will become it. You know, for me, Dr. James, Chapter 7, I'm going to take you all to Chapter 7, everybody, which you head up. Oh, I'm excited about 7. Faith. This yes, is a powerful chapter, everybody. Yes, sir. You, absolutely. You talk about uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hmm, I thought. You ask, what is faith? Uh, why is it that without faith, it is impossible to please God? So, you know, God is faithful to everybody, but are we faithful? to God um, as a pastor how would you describe faith to people in your congregation who are already believers and then 
people who are outside, you know, the church building, outside on the streets, how would you describe God's faith to them? Beautiful. Well, the scripture declare that he that come to God must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them to diligently seek him. I would tell them that if no one has seen God at any time, but one thing essential and very important is that we have to believe that God is that which we're seeking for. If one uh, is looking for deliverance or looking for peace or looking for joy, they must believe that God is able to give them that which they're seeking for. I have a lovely wife, and but I desire for her to believe in me, believe that I can do for her what I declare that I can. And it's essential for me that she do believe in me. That gives me the confidence that I could do what I'm telling her I could do. So when one come to God, they must believe that God is able to secure and to do what they come to him to do. And it's very important that uh, one understand that if you believe that God's a healer, and when you come to him, you must believe that he can do that healing that you need to take place. Very, very essential, very important that uh, faith is executed when one comes to the Lord. Can I give you an example, if that's possible? The uh, example is in the 14th chapter of the book of Numbers, where the Bible talks about the Lord has shown the children of Israel 10 different miracles, 10 powerful, wonderful miracles he showed them. And it came to a time that he had promised them, I'm going to bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm going to bless you with this land. <laughs> and and when, it, when it got time for them to go in, they didn't have the faith the confidence to to believe that God was able to give them that which, amen, he promised them. And a lot of times, amen, praise God, people talk about they believe God, but if you believe him, you've got to know that faith is believing God without any physical proof. I believe him because he said it. And the 10 times God showed them the wonder, that should have been enough evidence and proof to them that God was able to bring them into the promise that he promised that he would give them. So I would definitely, as a pastor or talking to someone, a lay member or someone that needs to know God, I would tell them that the Lord woke you up this morning. Believe that. The Lord watching over you. Believe that. The Lord is a good God. Believe that. And understand that that what you need. Look at what he's done. And it will give you the ability to believe that he can do what you need done. Let's move on to Dr. James to chapter nine, because there are 13 chapters in this book, everybody. As I said, we're only doing sample um, chapters. Chapter nine, you head up as spirit, soul, and body. You talk about flesh, carnality, flesh, humanity, and carnal mind. You make references to various biblical texts. You know, you talk about, you go to Proverbs, uh, chapter 5, verse 11. And now mourn at the last, you go to Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, where, with shall I come before the Lord, Matthew, chapter 5, verse 29. And if thou right eye offend me, 
you go to Romans chapter 419, you go to Acts, you go to Romans again, various verses of chapter 6 and various verses of chapter 8. You go to Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 13 and 15. You go to a lot of biblical references in this chapter on the spirit, soul and body. Why? What is the significance of these scriptural texts to the purpose and the context of this chapter? Another great question, Mr. Pat. Uh, the, <laughs> the main purpose of these scriptures is to give the reader a complete picture uh, to understand that we are three parts we are spirit, we are, we have a soul, and we have a body. And to show you the strength of each unit, to understand the power of the spirit, the weakness of the body. So in Micah, it shows you how that even in Proverbs, it shows you that the flesh is nothing. The flesh, uh, so many people are controlled by their flesh their desires, their emotions, their feelings. And they call, they allow their flesh to control them, to guide them. But in these scriptures, I'm showing the importance of being led by the spirit. Uh, as we're three parts, we have to uh, strive not to let our soul agree with our flesh, but that our soul agree with the spiritual part of an individual. Because the spirit is the word. And it's in the scriptures, I begin to show you, especially as you brought up that sixth chapter, the scriptures say that, uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abide? God forbid. Him that is dead to sin should live no longer therein. So I show, uh, hopefully, that the reader will see the intent to show you that the flesh is nothing. The flesh is such a small uh I would I would pattern it as the scripture talks about the tongue. Uh, the tongue is such a small member, and it shows you that a uh, big old ship is controlled by a little wheel. And we can allow such a small member of our body to control us and lead us in direction that we should not go. But this 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 uh, this main chapter is to show you that being led by the Spirit will guide you, instruct you, and cause you to become greater than your flesh or your emotions. And I hope, I hope as as you get the book and begin to read it and see uh, my heart of showing you how essential it is to walk in the spirit. It does. You know, when I've looked at the book, everybody, and, you know, at the end of each uh, chapter there, you know, there are three sessions in each chapter and at the end of the chapter, there are questions, and they're there to make you think, reflect on what you've just read. Um, now, you can read the chapter and do each session, and you may want to do each session, say, you know, once a week. And I think they are perfect, these um, sessions, this book, for group discussions. That's why I think the power of this book lies in a group discussion. People will have all sorts of different viewpoints here. Um, you know, the questions are very poignant, but they are there to make you think. 
Yeah. Why yeah. did you give? So I'm sorry. We uh actually when I was writing the book, I uh I did lesson by lesson with our congregation. Me and uh, my wife, uh, we took the book and we worked it ourselves as a couple. But also I took the book to the church and uh, worked it with the entire church. And I, it was exciting to see how people lit up. It was, it was exciting to see people excited by learning new things, new ideas, new things that they may never have uh, considered. And so, uh, yeah, I believe the book will be great for groups and even for uh, couples to work in together. Uh, and, and, and and for that point, for individuals that desire to grow and to move to a stronger level of spirituality. Uh, so I, I'm excited about the book and I'm so elated to be able to talk with it, uh, talk with you about it today. It's an amazing book, everybody. It's a topical discussion. It's not a bedtime read. It's there to make you think. Let's go to chapter 12, Dr. Jones. Um, Thank you. Why did you give chapter 12 the title Great Sorrow as has never been seen upon earth before stroke rapture? Why did you give this chapter that title? What are you getting at here? Well, uh, one thing is we're, we're coming in the, uh, in this chapter, we're coming close, uh, to the ending of the book. And, uh, I, I wanted to show the importance of, uh, all and, and trying to, uh, encourage one to their, uh, their experience with the Lord and helping others to develop and grow. But it is also important to understand that God is love, which we illustrated in that fourth chapter and what happened. But there is a side of God that one needs to consider. Uh, in the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, the Lord plainly states that it's going to be, it's going to come a time of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a time of great sorrow that never been seen upon this earth before. Now we know that it's been plagues, it's been uh, times where millions of people have died. We, we've seen wars and certain tragedies that occurred upon the earth, but the scriptures declare that it's gonna come a time worse than any time that occurred uh, upon the earth. So I, I really feel that it's essential for the eyes of folks to come open and realize that, uh, that there's an escape there's a, a way out, but they must understand what we're escaping from. There's something that is going to come upon this earth that we truly don't want no parts of. And in my book, in that ninth chapter, it begins to show you clearly what we're escaping from and that we need to be motivated to get on the move, to try to prepare and make sure we're ready when it's time to go. Okay. You... um Talk about, you know, we're still on chapter 12, everybody. In sessions two and three, you took about three and a half years of tribulation. What are we referring to here? That's my question, but wait for it. And finally, you go on to talk about the Antichrist, angels and the yeah. word Armageddon. This is heavy stuff. Um, so do you think that this part of your book would frighten fragile learners? 
or was it purposefully set up, you know, fully intentional to do this to as a wake up call for people to, um, you know, think about things? What's your answer to that? Well, uh, as you can see, uh, I wanted to tie each chapter together and show that from the beginning of an individual or person starting as a disciple, but there is a conclusion. There's there's an end that's going to occur. And I wanted to show the complete picture from the beginning of an individual walk until the conclusion of that walk. And I had to bring in certain aspects of the end to make them aware of what we are ascribing to uh, hopefully miss or be a part of. Uh, when I talk about the uh, three and a half years, is actually the Bible talks about 46 months in the book of Daniel, which is uh, exactly seven years of tribulation. This is the great tribulation. This is the beginning of the great tribulations that we're talking about in this first three and a half year. Uh, and also we talked about uh, not being left behind. <laughs> uh, what that is saying is that uh, we as Christians, uh, we talk about rapture and going back to the Lord, what have, what have you. That'll be, uh, we discuss that later. But the main thing is showing that the first three and a half years is going to be turmoil and trouble, uh, like never been seen before. It's going to come uh, a wrath of God upon the earth uh, that going to cause uh, the what I call the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is one that's going to rise up and fool thousands and hundreds of thousands. Uh, really, the Bible says he's going to destroy and deceive uh, most of the earth, even the Jewish nation. And so that Antichrist is going to come talking peace. That's the that's the way the enemy does. He talks peace and suddenly tragedy comes. And so, and then we're talking about Armageddon and angels. Uh, amen. Uh, when the Lord began to pour out the wrath upon the earth, it's going to be a time of tribulation that uh, I know our listeners don't want to be a part of or are experienced. And that's why in my book, I'm striving to show the total, uh, well, not even the totality of it, because it would take three books to really break it down. But in my book is to show different aspects of it, to give one the, uh, hopefully, the motivation to not be a part of, and to show you how not to be a part of it and what you need to do. Armageddon is going to be a great war where all the nations of the earth are going to gather together to come and fight against the people of God. And so it's, it's essential, I believe, that one will get this book because a lot of times people read in Revelation, uh, they get afraid and can't break it down and understand. But in my book, it's broken down for you. You'll begin to see step by step what's going on and what's going to occur and what you need to do to make sure you're not here. Thank you. So when we look at your book, Dr. James, who do you see as your market for your book? Uh, more importantly, who do you want to read your book? Young people, old people, people of you know various races, um, genders. Who do you want to see reading your books? 
as you being also an author, you know uh, our hearts go out to uh, anyone that would pick up the book and begin to read it. I, I truly believe that anyone would uh, find the book beneficial, uh, bene I mean beneficial. Uh, if I, I would love to see young people, young adults, uh, the middle-aged, uh, the elderly, I feel like the book will be a great teacher, uh, a book of warning, a book of instruction, a book that would enable any race or any uh, group of people to learn because the book is non-denominational. Uh, the book is a past all racial lines. Uh, it was written for the individual. It was written for groups. Uh, as I see when we began to teach it in our church, uh, I've seen different groups grab hold to the book and see the, ben the benefits of the book. So, uh, Mr. Crowley, I would say the book is for any group, any anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I, I want anyone, uh, the students that are learning, uh, they take this book along with you, grab hold to it and learn and get information that will help you in your spiritual growth. So are there any more books coming down the line, you know, to follow on from this? Are you ready for this answer? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see, uh, it's 13 chapters yeah. in this book. I mean to take every chapter and make a book out of each chapter. I mean to write 13 different books on every chapter. Uh, as I started off knowing and understanding your calling, I want to write a book on knowing and understanding your calling. Go into it deeper and show you more aspects of your purpose and show you why it's so important uh, to know your calling and to understand your calling and, and so on and on. Uh, as the book uh, has 13 chapters, I like to write 13 more books. So this book is the caterpillar. Yes, and sir. When the 13th book is done, the butterfly is out. Greatly illustrated. I concur. I just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, great. Dr. James, where can people get your books from? Yes. Uh, well, I have a website. It is uh, Dr. James Worley. Uh, dot com. Dr. James Worley. Dot com. That's D-R-J-A-M-E-S-W-H-O-R-L-E-Y. Dot com. Uh, you can also go on Amazon. Uh, you can go to, uh, what is that? Author, author house. Uh, you can, it, those are the different aspects of where you can get the book at. The book is available now. It's, uh, it's out there and, oh, I'll be so elated if you would get the book and tell others about it. Uh, as you go to my website, drjamesworley.com, you will uh, actually see a picture of the book and it gives you certain, uh, it starts you off in the first chapter and it just shows you how to, you just follow that and it just shows you how to get the book. Please get the book. Dr. James Worley, thank you for coming on the show to talk about yourself, 
and your book. Thank you, Mr. Crowley. It's been a blessing. I'm Jetty Crowley. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you are in the world. Until next time, stay safe. Thank you.